everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Grateful to have you here for another episode where I welcome in this week, Jeremy Strike to the podcast. Let me give you a quick background on Jeremy. He is the author of The Tree of Knowledge by New Degree Press. He's a startup founder and 2019 iTunes Top 100 podcaster, having interviewed New York Times bestselling author Michael Pollan, presidential candidate Andrew Yang, Nobel Prize biologist Randy Scheichman, and Chicago's treasurer Kurt Summers, and many more. Um, Since his 12th birthday, Jeremy has spent time in 25 countries interviewing thinkers from around the world on topics of life, neuroscience, and ancient philosophy, all of which helped Jeremy build not-so-far-fetched worlds of his imagination. When not writing, Strike is probably on a hike or striking out at stand-up comedy, dating, deadlifting, and investing. And I'll tell you what, though, I've known Jeremy for a little while through the next-gen community, tremendous individual, very interesting, uh, different thinker, always have some engaging conversations. So I was really thrilled when uh, he accepted the invite to come here on the Just Get Started podcast and share his unique journey. So without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Jeremy Strike. Let's get it started. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast, man. Glad to have you. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you getting me on the show. You've had some pretty incredible people so far, so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, you have a unique story, just like any of them do, and uh, I wanted you to share it on here. So, uh, And by the way, congrats on the, the book launch. Um, that's you. quite an accomplishment. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been... It's been a long journey with that guy, but um, yeah, it, it's it's surreal to to finally have one in my hands and uh, and get it out there into the world. So um, I'm pumped about it. But um, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to let me talk about it and talk about the the story leading up to it. Yeah, you know, one of the things I want to mention, which is kind of you know, I could say I watched the unboxing that you did online. And you could just even, I mean, there was emotion there, but it was one of those, like, it's not like you were just like screaming out loud, but you can see it in your eyes. You can see it like all these years that poured into it kind of out in one moment. So it was pretty, pretty vulnerable there. Uh, pretty cool to, to see that. So uh, yeah, I appreciate again, it. Yeah, congrats again a, on that. Thank you. That was an incredible moment. Just, just opening yeah. that. Of course, it actually came from Amazon because I was impatient and had to get it early. And uh <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really special, um, and I, I don't remember where you saw it, Instagram or somewhere else. But uh, yeah, is it a? Are, are you a novelist? Is that what we call? Is it a novelist? Is that what we should call you then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I sometimes forget to really give that backdrop. So it's a fiction book. It's like yeah. real fiction. It's not you know me writing about Brian's life in this world. It's uh, it's pretty out there. It's so so basically I and we, we can delve into this more later in the show but uh, i kind of rewrote the world as if pangea the supercontinent had never split apart and took some liberties added some magic here and there and some crazy animals yeah. and uh and wood lions and things like that but it was uh it was really fun to do it's something i've been working on for a long long time and uh i am now a novelist thank you for that yeah. brian that is awesome. Well, one of the things I want to talk, and I don't know where this will go, but I, you know, as I was doing some research in this, and, and obviously know you a little bit um, from uh, from the next gen community and, and stuff gen. like that, I uh, it seems like you've tried a lot of things. I I did this, so I don't know if you've done this analysis of yourself. Twenty, I, I looked at from twenty thirteen to twenty twenty, 
financial analyst intern, writer, journalist, marketing intern, business development, co-founder, Peace Corps intern, podcast network, podcast host that you had, and now an author. I, I thought that was really cool because I'm like, how many folks actually step out and try a ton of things to see maybe what they like? And and, and that, so is I'm kind of curious. I, I don't know where this will go, but like, did you think about that going in? Like when you were in at Georgetown and stuff like that, all these things like, hey, I'm going to try all these different things or did those opportunities creep up and you're like, all right, I'll say yes to it. I'll see what it, where it takes me and learn from it. Kind of curious if you start there, just kind of share a little bit. That's a great, that's a great question. I've never actually stepped back. I mean, it's really hard for us to step back and uh, and like look at ourselves from this, you know, ten thousand foot view. But uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess a, a good example of this would be when I started my company right after college. Uh, it was not so. It was so podcasts were kind of nascent then, but I, I had been really. I mean, I was listening to him at the gym. I was listening to him while I was running. I, I was getting really addicted to what now everyone is, is is listening to. And so I graduated, had no idea what I wanted to do. I actually took the law school entrance exam. And I'd been studying for a couple of months. Everyone had been telling me my whole life, oh, you're, you're a great argument. You're very argumentative, they would say, <laughs> as if it were a compliment. And just telling me, you know, you should think about going to law school. I realized during the test, there was no shot that was happening. So I basically, two days later, got on a, uh, and this was two weeks after graduating, got on a plane, went to Cuba for a week on my own, and just kind of like explored that country. I'd always been really interested in it. And that's actually where the idea for my book came. But if we fast forward a little bit more... I just started writing sort of um, separately. You know, it was like a it was like a me personal thing, and I knew I wanted to sort of start a company in the podcast space. And I was just like, all right, screw it. And I got in my car, drove from I grew up in Rhode Island, from Rhode Island to San Francisco, where my uh, where my close friend was at Stanford. And I was like, all right, if someone's going to help me build a startup and become the next. Mark Zuckerberg, like I had that in my head, then, you know, this is him and I'll just try it. Like, I know there's a lot of things that are going to be there. And, uh, I guess in the spirit of your show and a lot of the, the, the speaking that I do, I'm totally with you, Brian. It's, I've found in my life, it's just starting, you know, just trying these things and not overthinking it, which is really ironic because I'm an overthinker, but like you just jump into uh, at least I've jumped into these random, now you point out, very disparate places and just like, you know, have a little taste. You know, I want to taste everything on the table and not just, uh, you know, eat my own dish and be satisfied. So maybe that's a, because I'm a wanting person, but um, it's it's led me to go pretty wide rather than, than deep so far. Well, I mean, it exposes you to things you didn't know were out there. And... Mm-hmm. If you, you know, because it's one of these things we can put everyone in a bucket and say, well, they did this because of, you know, if you didn't go through all these experiences, maybe you don't get the idea to write the book or maybe the idea is not as fluid or I don't want to say easy because we'll get into that, probably all the the stuff you had to go through. But like the idea didn't generate as much because of maybe maybe it was a story that you did when you were a financial analyst, you know, like all of those things lead to something you're doing today so at some point it was a benefit because you went through those experiences yeah have you had uh, a similar thing where you've 
gone into uh, an experience and you realized shortly thereafter that it was not what you wanted and sort of pivoted to something different? Well, I mean, I certainly had things that I've tried um, or I've gotten to roles where I'm like, ooh, that wasn't maybe the best decision, but I've learned from it. You know, you, you know, I, I I mean, I can think of a, a variety I could throw out probably, but I think going into it with a positive mindset and hey, this could work out, but then being okay with saying like, hey, this doesn't work or it's not what I like or it's not the best thing for me. I think that's been the hardest thing for me, at least. I don't know about you, it was like, is the acceptance of, you know what? This doesn't work out. This is not the best thing for me. I'm going to move on versus hey, I'll stick through it because what do the optics look like? That was why um, when I got out of the golf industry, you know, I used to, I don't know if you know this about me, I used to uh, teach golf. I was a PJ professional, had a teaching cool. business, but I was known as the golf guy. I was the golf guy, right? Brian taught golf and he ran these programs in, in, in the Raleigh-Durham area where I still live. And that's what I was known as. And that was one of the hardest things is to get out of that mm. because of like, what were people going to think about me? What were they going to, you know, it was like, that's who I was. And once I learned that, wait a minute, it's not, you know, as Rich Keller says, right? Who you are is what you do, not what you do is who you are. Mm. Um, and, and I and I think once I learned that, it took me a lot longer. But anyways, that's a little tangent. But I think to your point is you got to get into stuff. You got to try it. But it's okay to leave or it's okay to only do it for a short time just to get the, you know, the taste, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, it was I don't think if I hadn't really jumped into my business, uh, you know, I, I was basically trying to start the next podcast listening service this was before spotify did was in podcasting and and we wanted to build an app where people listen and i i I sort of overcorrected from like my original so i studied econ in college and econ and and sort of english so you can see like that's very disparate uh Mm -hmm. and, and i went for this startup that is it was great and i still do some work in the podcast industry but because it really stressed me out so much and you know it was there was one time where i was uh, so i started pitching this company to uh, hundreds of investors and what does that say about me <laughs> that none of them bit uh so i was i was funding this company on my own and some personal investing uh some honestly some lucky shots that i'd taken and made and i got up on this stage of a pitch competition there was uh, it was at the Computer History Museum in Silicon Valley, which is like this gorgeous space. Really, it was a really amazing event, and I met some um, incredible people there. And I get up, and sort of in uh, in the, the hours leading up, a woman had been talking to me about my pitch, and we sort of scrapped the whole thing. And I got up there with basically nothing solid in my mind, and I bombed. Like, it was just, I don't even, I don't think I said an intelligible sentence. Like, I, I, I don't know what I was talking about. And maybe there's a video, so if you people want to really hunt it down, you can you can watch that. But it was experiences like that that were just, like, very high tension. And I remember later that night, uh, I was staying in an Airbnb because it was just, like, easier. It was close by. And I ended up writing my book, this one that just came out for like three hours you know it's just something that i i do continue to do and did as like a response to negative stimulus in my environment or or Mm -hmm. just maybe 
just when I'm feeling emotionally raw and kind of uh, and kind of lost. I mean, that would that's what gives you comfort, basically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And do you find that? I mean, you're a writer as well. You got a children's book coming out. How how, how do you feel about the process? Yeah, you know, I, it's funny. I'm, I, I never, I don't think of myself as a writer. Um, I, I don't think I'm a good writer. I, I would, I would probably have every English teacher that I've ever had in my life agree with that statement. <laughs> but having said that, I enjoy writing. Um, mm. I enjoy just putting thoughts on paper, and um, I, I think for me, it's, it's more therapeutic. It kind of gets things out. It's, it's a way, mm-hmm. and, and partially kind of how this podcast is too, it gets things out. It's a, it's a way to share insight. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I think whatever we find as comfort, as long as it's not hurting us, um, I think is really good. Um, so had, had, you had, had you had always written like when you were a kid? Do you remember? Or did, was there something that kind of sparked that writing inside you? So I didn't really start like seriously recognizing that I wanted to write things like and put them out in the world until really college um but yeah I mean it was there were vestiges all through middle school and high school I remember um there was a sort of assignment that I kind of turned on its head it was like a creative writing assignment and this is in high school and I took the perspective of so uh my family came over from Poland Russia like uh, 100, 150 years ago, something like that. And they, we had this like set of can- uh, candlestick, candle holders. So I took the perspective of those candle holders in during World War II. And I was those candle holders and I just watched the world unravel around me. So like that's inherently, like I could write, I'm not going to, but I could write that as a book or a short story right now. And that was just something that I was doing when I was, uh, whatever a freshman in high school so I've always really had this penchant for uh, you know I, like you I we were a sports family so it was like sports and like it randomly kind of fantasy movies those were like the the two things fantasy movies and fantasy books and what I tell a lot of people is that when I was little like I was just and it makes so much sense now being in podcast and also being a writer I was like attached to audiobooks like before we had iPhones and everything I would my brothers would be playing uh, like Little League and I, I would just be underneath the bleachers either singing to myself or with this red Walkman just listening to The Hobbit or Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or things like that just getting lost in those fantasy crazy speculative worlds and mm-hmm. and now I'm an, I'm an adult who feels like he's still that same kid and am sort of doing the next iteration of that little Jeremy into big Jeremy now. Mm. That's interesting, you know, but it is, it is stuff like there's things, I mean, we can probably sit here for hours and come up with stuff that we tried and did as kids, but we're like, I don't want to do that anymore. That's kind of boring, but it's funny. You mentioned that it made me think of like, I used to watch um, one of the, one of my greatest memories or my fun, best memories is hanging out with my grandparents, my, and, and, and both my grand or my sets of grandparents. I love, but my, my mom's parents, um, I was probably closer with it. It seemed like, 
And anyways, and they were both two different people, but I'm telling the story because like I used to watch like uh, live with Regis and Kathy Lee. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. Regis Feldman. He, I know he just passed away, which was uh, heartbreaking, but he, uh, but watching him growing up, like my grandmother and stuff, like I was like 10, but I enjoyed those interview type shows. And that's, what's funny with the podcast. Like, Oh, I, I actually always enjoyed the interview style. I'm not surprised that I decided to do an interview style for a podcast just because I've always enjoyed that deeper conversation. So it's kind of interesting going back to your writing, you know, you kind of figure out what you like and then in some ways it takes form in, in your later years. Mm. Yeah. I think it's an important activity reflection, just that, and it's sort of, I mean, what 2020 has forced at least me to do. And a lot of people is just like reflect, not just on, the things that have been, you know, making us crazy, making us happy, making us, you know, upsetting us in the last couple of years. It's like, like I kind of took this a step further and really look, like, reflect on what I was like as a young, like a very young person. Because that's, it's just like a span of young person day, young person day, young person day, young person day. Then you're a middle person. And then you're a little bit older middle person. And it's just like building or it's building blocks. So we are just a series of building blocks. And that's why I find it really important to sort of look back at the, the younger version of ourselves and see like, all right, well, your biology either made you love bicycling and playing golf and uh, writing or painting a poem, painting a picture, sorry. And then it's like, okay, so you have that framework. I have that framework for telling stories or art or startups or whatever it is and then you know it's, it's just that's what's natural so mm-hmm. we kind of spin that into uh you know worthwhile career from there yeah well i want to go back to you you had mentioned something yet you, you want you're at that airbnb and you wrote for three hours at that time when you were writing did you have aspirations like this was going to become a novel or was this a Hey, just getting it off my chest, something fun to pass the time because I'm soothing myself, as we talked about earlier. Do you, do you recall back then how that moment, those conversations in your head? Hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit and then lead into that that spot. Okay. So, so basically, to answer your question, yes, I knew it was going to be a novel because it sort of has to be. Yeah. You, I, so when I was in Cuba... There's this, uh, and some people have probably heard me tell this story before. I, I was just like, so I was very alone. I do speak a little bit of Spanish, so uh, that was okay. And I was on a, I was on a horse with one guide, and uh, we're we're sitting. So we're in the western part of Cuba. It's like this lush green. There's like sopping tobacco fields and, and like mountains. You don't think of Cuba having mountains, but they're called the mogotes, and there's like they look like gumdrops but covered with moss. And uh, so it's just this mountain, like the, the clouds kind of spread away right after uh, a rainstorm. And the, the, the gentleman, he, he turns to me and says, um, what was it in, in Spanish? It's like, ¿Quieres hacer que pasara ya? And it's like, do you want to know where we're going next? Do you want to know what happens next? And I was just like, no, just like, just take me. And it was sort of in that, so that day, I, I had this like little inkling of a thought, like, what if, because uh, the world felt there, these green mountains, these, there was horses, animals everywhere. It felt very prehistoric. 
like before humans. And I would had been reading Sapiens as well, so I know that's like a big influence on this book. And I mean, I have like Sapiens on my desk right there. So I just wondered like if Pangea had never split apart, what would the world be like? And later that night, after this horseback ride, I went back to my also an Airbnb but in a different country and just sat with uh they they made me like an amazing little dish. I ended up getting sick, so maybe that was the place, but that was neither here nor there. Uh, and drank a little a glass of wine and wrote the first pages of the book that actually did not make it into the real the real book itself. But I had this little orange moleskin journal that I filled up, and then when that was done, I moved on to a black moleskin journal and then filled that up, and then went on to a blue moleskin journal, and at that point, it was way too much. But uh, to, to, to talk about this event after I'd bombed, so this is probably a year and a half later where I'm living in San Francisco, been traveling a lot, but I, I was pitching this company. And uh, after that day and all like it was very high pressure, I knew that there were a lot of good people there. I just sit and go out onto this patio, pull out, I think it was the black moleskin, so we're in the middle one uh, at the time, and I'd already had 300 pages written, and I was just like, okay, this this world is done. The place where Jeremy exists is over for today, and now I'm going to start building the rest of, you know, the Tree of Knowledge, the what the book is called, and... Uh, and then from there, you just you keep going. Just one day. How did so? I want to dive in that a little bit. Like, how did you get into the writing process? Was it I'm going to write a certain amount of time per day? Is it a certain number of words? Like, how did you structure it, or or was there no structure for you? Was it just I'm just going to write when I feel like writing? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a great question. I'm reading this book called um, Process. I uh, I forget. Uh, sorry, I don't remember the woman's name, but she basically breaks down, uh, you know, there's like Ray Bradbury and Toni Morrison uh, and just all these really, really famous uh, Edith Wharton, like really famous novelists who takes one chapter in each, each one. Uh, Ernest Hemingway, he wrote, he had a certain number of words every day that he wanted to get to. I love Ernest Hemingway. He's absolutely one of my favorites. But I don't believe in the, the the word count per day. I think it works for some people, but for me, it was more um, something that I read in The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I was actually listening to it during my road trip, and he was, oh my God, that was absurd. I was literally on that road trip driving through, so granted, it was like Utah or, or somewhere really flat and really straight. But I was listening to Stephen Pressfield, uh, maybe it was Texas. I had a notepad in my hand, and this, I'm so my father's son, on the steering wheel. And I was taking notes of what Stephen Pressfield was saying while I was driving. And like, like it was not, a, it was not, like I was sort of swerving a little bit. And I was like, I have to get this note down. I have to absolutely get this down. And what Stephen Pressfield talks about is writing every single day. He talks about going pro, and he brings up Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady may not get on to the football field every single day, but to be a pro, you, 
you have to just like think about it and better your game every single day. If his kids are sick, if he's feeling kind of down, Brady is still he's doing yoga and he's watching game film and he's doing something that mm-hmm. improves his Bradyness. And I actually hate the Patriots and I do respect Brady, but I, I, I can still look at the man and say, That is a pro. So I just said, right. All right, I'm gonna sit down every day and write and it ended up being a pretty big, uh, you know, pretty big book. Yeah, that's a really good point. I remember actually just recently I was listening to uh, Jerry Seinfeld on uh, the Tim nice. Ferriss show. And he talks about how, and I think this is one of the things he's very well known for, is that he writes every day. And I think he commits to an hour a day. And he tells the story of why, where like it was something where, you know, I think it was it's a, a Mitzi at the comedy store, like kind of almost laughed him out of the room, like year, this is when he was real up and coming. Mm-hmm. And basically for not being good enough, he's like, I'll show you, he's like, I'll put the time in to become good enough. And that's what he, I think he's been doing that for like 30 years or something like that. Been one hour mm-hmm. per day. He, he's like, I may, I may sit and I may not write anything for the hour, but I have to commit to the hour a day. Mm-hmm. A little bit, mm-hmm. little bit different, but some similarities. No, like totally you got to commit really. the time. You got to commit yeah. the time. Whatever. Neil it is. Gaiman it's says, um, he said, "I love Neil Gaiman too. I have a book behind him on my desk as well." And he says, he he basically doesn't have to write. He can sit at his desk and do nothing, but that's all he can do is nothing. Mm-hmm. You, he can't check his internet. He can't check yeah. internet. He can't check his phone. So like, you have two choices: either write your short story book piece and we can we can port this into anything when i was in my my startup i i can either sit at the computer and send these emails or make this powerpoint or write my pitch i can either do that or i can do nothing you know it's giving ourselves these like basically two options rather than right now we have the option to look at instagram we have the option to go I have a pull-up bar go do pull-ups uh you know there are all these just things that are like snaps of novelty and just kind of like would keep us distracted uh and I really think that's a great way sort of give give ourselves two options and make one of them really bad or like not not great or not you or you can't do anything you just you have to sit and that's it so you're almost you're in time out if you don't do it right what um what uh, what about your writing process? Like, I'm just I'm just curious on like how do you choose characters, the storylines? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you like? Did you come up with the names? Like, oh yeah, that's a character name. Or did like did you think like oh wait that's an intro? Like, is there any meaning behind the names? Like, how how do you come up with that stuff? Mm. You know, it's there's no like concrete answer to that, and I. I love hearing. Uh, so I was I'm watching um, Margaret Atwood's masterclass, and the way that she came up with The Handmaid's Tale, it was like all these little morsels. Like she took um, from the the not she actually was living in Berlin before the the wall came down, and mm-hmm. she took a lot of the symbolism, like the logos, like the actual imagery logos that were around from that experience, and put it into The Handmaid's Tale. And uh, I, I kind of do a similar thing where, like, uh, I'm constantly looking around, not actively, I'm subconsciously looking around all the time. And I, this is why I love travel. So, like, I, I, I've, 
I won't, we don't need to go into it, but like I've been basically everywhere in Europe and in a lot of places in Mexico and, and South America. And like these are profoundly different cultures. And there is so much. I mean, I bet a lot of your listeners have heard of or read Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. And it's just like, what are stories other than just like little bits of other things pulled together? And you could probably argue that like human beings are kind of the same way also. They're just like little things that we take from our environment and, uh, and create one person or create one story. So this is a very roundabout way of answering your question, Brian, that I am just like always – I'm looking at street signs and I'm looking at uh, restaurants and I'm, when I'm reading. So like I'm, I'm reading old, uh, an old English book right now just because I'd never read Chaucer before. And it's kind of like poetry, so uh, I noticed like uh, like three or four names that I saw in there, and that had like symbolic value to them. And like in little footnotes, it showed what this guy represented. So then I took that name and I just jotted down a little uh, a note that I have on. I keep it on all on Evernote. And if a new character comes up while I'm writing, there. There's this is like where it gets a little tricky. Sometimes I have like this feeling like, all right, this guy's name is that. And it was just in the flow. Like we've all been in flow states before, whether you're skiing or playing basketball or even just like at work, really getting deep into this like kind of lostness. What do they call it? Um, effortless, effortless grace maybe is like what, uh, what the, the flow researchers call it. And, uh, so I have this point where it's like, all right, do I consult my note where I've built up this list of excellent names or do I go with the flow and go with what my heart's telling me to do at the time? And I, Brian, we could talk about like the, that question in our lives for like the rest of our life. Literally, it's like, do you just go with it? Do you, do you kind of turn off the brain and you know, ride, you know, just take that putt without actually lining it up to the T or do you use all of that, you know, technology at your disposal and, and preparation to, um, to line it up perfectly with the arrow and, and, you know, make the little, the perfect swing, think about it and then get it into the, uh, into the hole. So what, what would, what are you, what would you do? Would you choose the flow or would you choose from your note if you were me or you're you? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I agree that I, I kind of like the subconscious, if you will, like all this stuff you've learned and absorbed and then just kind of let it come out. And, that, and that, that's actually how I write. Now, I write, you know, rhyming type books because I used mm. to love Eminem, you know, still do. But there like I, I like the, the kind of I think of like as a rapper, but I'm not, I'm not a rapper. So it's like, all right, I write children's rhymes. But so that I, I guess it's more just let it flow out there and then you can tweak it here and there. Um, so I would go to the flow state versus the overthinking and cause I've done that enough in my life. I'm an analyzer. I'm an overanalyzer. So I, I probably would want to go to the other side of it. Mm. And that's my yeah. gut feeling, I guess my gut answer. So I'm with you. I didn't realize yeah. we we're talking to uh we got Draco Seuss here, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but I just, I don't know why I enjoy the rhyming aspect. Although I am fun, thinking yeah. of, you and I need to connect on this down the road, but I'm actually, 
I've started to ideate on a potential longer form novel for Fun. for a, for a kids book. But anyways, that's a whole not that's years down the road maybe. Um, but I'll be curious your thoughts on it at that time. So let's talk about that then. I'm gonna I'm gonna transition back and I throw the ball back in your court on you spend all this time writing and editing and get it to a point where you're happy. It could have just sat on your desk or you could have like gave it to friends like, Hey, I did this. Tell me about the, how does this become successful? What's the launch process look like? How do you get it out there? You have a ton of reviews already, like on Amazon. Like how did you go about letting this known into the world? Hmm. And you know, it's, it's, the word success is like really there's it's mired in a lot of things because like i do have to stop and tell myself like yeah this is great i'm very happy that i've gotten these these reviews and that people are getting good feedback and negative feedback honestly like when someone writes a bad comment on the book i'm like i almost curse i don't know if we can curse i'm like yeah like seriously i'm pumped about it because it just proves that first of all you can learn from it but getting any kind of emotional response from another person about something that you have built like that whether it's a startup a book a song it just shows that they are like actually putting their it's not just like vacant autopilot thought it's it's i mean in the words of like daniel kahneman it's like system two they're actually judging what you put out there and i don't i don't know why i really yearn for that but like uh i I think someone says like loud people are either have been told uh they're real they're the smartest person in the room all the time or they were the most ignored person in the room and like at least in my family dynamic i'm the third child and like i wore an eye patch when i was little and, and like i was fat and had red hair like i was loud because i was ignored and it's not like I want attention, but I do want to put this work out there into the world. And now that it's there, it's hard to say like, okay, there are a few hundred, you know, there's like a, almost a hundred, whatever reviews, 150. And that's great. But like, that's nothing also, you know, so it's this constant polarity where I'm like running a marathon forever. There's no end in sight because I could sell a hundred thousand copies and that's still not enough. And that's just like part of the, maybe it's me, maybe it's the human condition. Uh, and I'm really fortunate to have like such amazing people. Uh, I mean, my, my people, like I love my hometown and all my old friends. Uh, those are like my people and I love my family. Like that is why 2020 has been really difficult is because I haven't been able to see either of those. It's I live in Austin. They're in New England, which is like there was a little period where I lived in the worst state in the country. So my, I guess my point with this whole little rant here is that I have these support systems that remind me what you're doing is awesome. Like just keep up that work. And I think that's really important to have if no one's telling us okay, my startup, my uh, cosmetic company, you know, my marketing company or whatever, or my painting, my music, you're doing good, you're doing well. There's always more, but just stop for a second and recognize that you're doing a good job. 
And I'm just so grateful to have those kinds of people in my life, uh, as well as the critics. Like, I love criticism. Please, if you read my book and you don't like it, tell me. I'm more likely to respond to you than to another person who's giving me, like, luscious praise. And maybe it's equal. But, um, right. uh, yeah, I, I guess it's just, how did I get it out there? It was really from those people those people who really support me, they, you know, what they went to bat, they, they pre-ordered my book, they shared it with friends. And then when, if people like it, they'll share to their friends. And then it's sort of like a network effect. Like, Hey, my, I know, sort of know this person. Uh, and you know, you should check this out because I know you have a kid who's like 17 years old and, and likes these sorts of stories. Hmm. Was there any unique ideas that, I mean, obviously you probably did your research and found some cool ways, but like any unique ideas that you came up with to get some broad reach on the book that you'd share? Well, again, I don't really know how broad the reach is yet. So like, I'm not really one to, to, to school on this topic, but I, you know what I've have been having fun with recently is, um, you know, the little free libraries, like the they're no. little they're like um they're bird houses. Think of a birdhouse, but for books. Oh, okay. okay. So they're just like on the side of roads and I find them and I put my book in there. And then I go back to that little birdhouse filled with books and it's gone. And that's all that matters to me. If someone mm. put, took my book and gives it a read, I don't care. That's a win. So uh, that's that's one way that I've been sort of just like dispersing it. It's totally grassroots. It's not like, yes, analytical. We're gonna make Facebook ads at eleven thirty-seven a.m. on every Tuesday on the, the you know the third hour of you know Ramadan sort of things like yeah. that. Well, what's nice too is I mean a book like yours it could live for you know it could be three years down the road some. You know, movie producer picks it up like, oh, this could be a this could be a cool movie. You know, like you don't know what could happen to it as long as you, you kind of keep moving down the path with it. So that's what I, I guess that's what's cool having like a novel. Um, you so. said it, not me. <laughs> hey, why not? Stranger things have happened. Why not? Why go. can't it? Why why can't why can't we see on the uh, the uh, adaptation on film someday? Yeah, honestly, I was actually approached uh, by a podcast company about turning it into. A sort of like a narrative fictional podcast and mm. that's it's sort of been like a, a medium conversation because I'm still uh, I'm still really trying to get the book out there and I know that once this I pivot into something else it's like you know I didn't I worked on this book for five years and I want to get it out to as many people as it right. wants to be gotten to so um, yeah. so I'm going to give that my focus now and then explore whatever it is the the world throws at me no, that's awesome, man. What would you? What advice would you share to someone? And maybe it's your younger self. Um, it could be on writing, could be on anything else. But what would you share to maybe help folks get on their journey just a little bit? I don't want to say easier because sometimes the hurdles are good, but just to give them a little more insightful approach so they can get started. Anything that you'd share as a kind of a lasting impression? Yeah. Well, so two things here. Uh, so, Brian, I, I actually, it's perfect that you asked this question because – I'm launching uh, in 2021. I'll be teaching a course on creativity in the digital age, and that's with like sort of an offshoot from my, my publisher, uh, New Degree Press. And it's 
what it sounds like. I mean, the world is really, there's lots of distractions. We have Instagram, we have all these, you know, messages. For me, it's actually messaging, like instant messaging systems. That's what I get caught. uh, I am Facebook Messenger, although, and pulling ourselves away and not just ignoring them, but like going deep into our art. There's a difference between like sort of paying attention to both and not doing really getting lost in in what it is that you want to you know write paint build a house whatever it is everything's creative so i'm launching this course creativity in the digital age uh interviewing neuroscientists um this guy named rex young he's like the leading neuroscientist on creativity i'm talking to him next week talking to tons of authors cal newport deep work he hasn't said yes yet, but I'm going to work on him because he, he actually taught at my college and, um, and we have a bit of a relationship. I, I shipped him one of my books, so uh, hopefully he says yes. But people like that, Patrick McGinnis, uh, he came up with FOMO. So people like, uh, people like that who have a head in the don't be distracted, do your work space. This is how. James Clear, that'd be a great person to have. I, I, I don't know how to get in touch with him, actually, but we'll see. Um, so you could well, yeah you could watch my course you could read those books like that uh, and really though even before that I think we just kind of it's like the title of your podcast I literally I use similar language in my talk is just start like whatever it is I told you guys I told you Brian that when I started writing the tree of knowledge the first two. I think it's even more than the first two pages. The first probably like three or 4,000 words that I wrote just never appeared in the book. But that doesn't that doesn't matter. So like if we can put out some junk, you know, a terrible first draft. My first draft was twice as long as it should have been and made no sense. My mom read it and she was like, I, I'm sorry, I just have no clue what's going on. And one of my editors said something very similar too. She was, Stephanie was just like, I can't make hide or hair of anything that's happening right now because it was just scattered. And that's what a first draft is. It's garbage. And then we take the garbage, you know, you, you guys know how compost works, right? The, the garbage, the garbage, whatever, it's not like plastic, but it breaks down and then it becomes sort of like soil and mud. And I mean, the Buddhists talk about their, their flower is the lotus flower. The lotus flower comes from like crap. It's born in mud and garbage. So you, we just start because that's all you really need is to put out a, a bad first version and write a bad first page because the magic is in the editing room and rewriting and pulling ideas from books and movies and things like that and experiences that you had. So I just tell people like you, literally just stop thinking and just just start it doesn't matter what comes out jeremy super uh super awesome good insight um so happy to have you on the podcast i know we had a, a short call today we might have to do a part two here mm-hmm. down the road if you're cool with that but uh yeah really enjoyed it i'll put all the links in the show notes uh, where they can go check out the book and and um and, and just check more of what you're doing uh for the the creativity stuff next year so uh, anything you want to share, kind of anything else, uh, any other website they should go to, how to connect with you online, anything you'd uh, maybe the best spot for them? Yeah, I mean, 
on Instagram, jeremy.strike, S-T-R-E-I-C-H. My website is, um, you can just type in jeremy.blog and it'll take you to uh, everything that I, that I do, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Tree of Knowledge, fantasy series, uh, something that people have been enjoying in the kind of like, if you have an imagination, still figuring out the exact age range, but kind of like the 17 year old plus or minus five years in either direction. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just everyone listening to this podcast, I, I mean, I commend you, Brian, for, for doing it on this topic because it's something that, um, I think the world really needs more people that are just getting, you know, getting it out there that are creating, that are building, that are, uh, working on something that is meaningful to them. And, uh, I, so I really appreciate you, Brian, for having me on and allowing me to chirp, chirp my song in that, in that space. And, um, and hope that people take, uh, take a lot away from the amazing guests that, that you have on. Thanks, Jeremy. Certainly appreciate it. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, Grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day, you know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, And I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. Um, Happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianandraco.com, or connect with me. I'm at Brian Andreco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there. Uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.